0: Hi guys, Carl
1: Baker here. I just want to wish you all a very happy Christmas to the listeners of the Port Chat Podcast. Have a good one and hopefully get to see you all soon.
0: I just thought I'd jump on to wish all the Port Chat Podcast listeners a Merry Christmas. I hope you have a top time
2: with your families. Look after yourselves, stay safe and all the best for the new year
0: from Big L. Hello, this is Keisuke Takano in Tokyo. I played for Southport about 2020 years ago. Hello to all listeners of Port Chat Podcast, and I want to wish you all Merry Christmas.
3: Hi, this is Steve Hall, uh, and I'd just like to wish all the listeners of the Port Chat Podcast a very Merry Christmas and very
4: happy and healthy
3: New Year. Hi, Steve Whittle here, um, former player from the uh, 1980s, 90s and 2000s, former uh, assistant manager or caretaker manager. Just wishing all the uh, Southport players good luck for next season, all the Southport fans uh, good luck as well and a happy Christmas to everyone. Hello everyone, this is Andy Whitaker. I'd like to wish all the listeners of the Port Chat podcast a very happy Christmas and happy new year. Hi, it's Brian Butler here, wishing all Port Chat podcast listeners and Southport supporters everywhere a very Merry Christmas and the best of wishes for 2023 and beyond, where hopefully Liam, Terry Mack and the lads will be successful in achieving a return
0: to the National League.
3: Merry Christmas, everyone.
0: Hi guys, this is Paul Evans, I want to wish everybody at Southport Football Club a very Merry
2: Christmas and a Happy New Year, especially to you supporters, you are
0: truly and were always amazing, big shout out for you, Merry Christmas guys, Happy New Year. sponsored by the berlin tourism board
5: this is the port chat podcast and now your hosts james cave nick cave dan hayes dan bond mike Rimmer, and noel warham Good
2: evening, everyone, and welcome back to episode number 11 of the Port Chat Podcast. And if you couldn't already tell by that absolutely fantastic intro, it is indeed the Christmas special. I mean, I've got to give a massive load of plaudits for that introduction. I think maybe we peaked too early on that one, but that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, that means we'll be uh, looking ahead to the first installment of our festive double date with Curzon Ashton in Tameside on Boxing Day. And we'll also have all the usual chat and also all the usual updates as well so joining as always is James Cave, Noel Warren, Nick Cave and Dan Hayes and back after his week hiatus we have dragged Dan Bond out the pub just long enough to record this podcast so how is everyone? Good evening, everyone had a good week? Hello everyone. Good
5: evening everybody, Merry Christmas. Hello. Merry, yes, Christmas. Very
1: Merry Christmas. Uh, well done to Dan for uh, getting a uh, Kenny Tecano,
0: that's amazing.
6: What a
1: legend! <laughs> what a legend. Um, yeah, I suppose because, like last week, I think it was off air, but we did challenge Dan to see how many uh, former players we he could get to leave us a message, and uh, it is it is helpful that we have the secretary of the former players association to do that. Um, so well done, Dan. <laughs> it, was a, it was a fairly good collection.
3: Well, we're probably letting letting people into a little secret that that's not all of them yet, is it? <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh, more to come. How are you going to upstage Kenny Takano? Well, we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lovely week because I've been off work and I've done nothing. So there we go.
1: Typical teacher.
5: Yeah. Oh, no, oh. They're never any these things
1: oh.
6: <laughs> Yeah. And as a slight warning, I've cracked open a bottle of Prosecco because Christmas, isn't it?
2: It's Christmas. Just use that excuse for the next two, three, four, five Years. months. Years.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, kids, it's. Forever. I use it every week. <laughs>
5: yeah, ja- yeah, danger definitely. Fizz. Danger yeah. Fizz.
6: Channeling, channeling the spirit of Bond
5: for this. Uh, so, so, tonight, um, while recording this, recording this on the Friday, the 23rd, Christmas Eve, Eve, um, it's a very, very special event in Berlin tonight. Uh, you know, referencing our sponsors, uh, the Berlin Tourist Board. Does anyone, <laughs> apart, does anyone know what it is?
3: I don't know what it's officially called, no, but I, I, I've got an idea what's going on.
1: Yeah, I know, because you put it on the WhatsApp group before.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Does it have a name? It, it doesn't. It started 20 years ago. Uh, it's Union Berlin, the most successful team at the moment in Berlin. Hi, and um, uh, Not Hertha. But yeah, so uh, Union Berlin, St- Stadion and the album First but for over twenty years now, what they do um, a couple of days before Christmas is they invite people from the local community, and they have Christmas carols. And it started ge- genuinely with about fifty people, and they all brought sofas, put the sofas on the pitch. You have to remember the stadium under Art and Fistarai was actually built by the fans. It was it was built by the fans for the football club. The football club didn't really have a proper ground. Um, and I was just looking at the photos and a few videos, and the stadium is full. Everyone's got their phones out shining lights, and there's like a big quiet. just looks like a beautiful evening, to be honest with you. So,
3: you
1: go, challenge for you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there's no, there's, there's no,
5: way, there's no way I'd ever be letting anyone
1: put a couch, <laughs> a singular couch on the pitch, alone like several <laughs> hundred. For
0: <And> the <I> laugh. <laughs>
6: It looks fantastic, though, and it is really like a really nice community um mm. event as well. And yeah, you know, and it actually sparked a conversation on our WhatsApp group about uh, these sorts of things that that you know happen around in the communities around this time of year. and yeah, it was it was really nice. It was a really interesting chat that we ended up having about it. So, yeah, this, this thought I think one of the big things that happened at the club, one of the biggest events that's happened at the club over the years was when we had, I like Jay. will know more about this. The Girl Guides came along and did. Like, oh, was it the Brownies? Did like a big celebration?
1: There's been. I, I've seen the ground full three times, and I'm I'm classing the Tranmere game as full because it, it it was pretty much. The other two were. Uh, it was it was it was a it was a Girl Guides event, and I think it was, uh, fifty years, a hundred years, a Girl Guiding. I I I don't recall and this was a big national event and, and girl guides had, had booked out venues across the country including the stadium and the stadium was full and i mean there were thousands and thousands of brownies and girl guides there and um i was still doing like the tannoy
5: um at the time so we were, we were doing you, you, yeah. you said you I thought you said you i was still a girl guide then I did, I did,
1: I did beavers and cubs. I didn't quite make it to scouts, but I did, I did do, uh, I did do beavers and cubs. I, I, it was a brilliant event, but I think the best event I've ever seen at the football club, um, for, in terms of aside from the football, maybe maybe including, say, maybe, maybe including football the football, <laughs> um, we we had a fireworks event there. Like yeah, uh, over over a decade or so now, yeah. and and again it was it was full. The ground had thousands and thousands of people, and if I recall, I don't think I was involved at the club then. Um, but I think it was actually was it like the local fire brigade that had put it on or something, or they'd worked in conjunction with the fire brigade. And it was just brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And I think the because the rugby club do it now, and I think they get a they, s- they, get, a, they get a similar reaction. It's so well thought of. Um, so so yeah. I, but the girl guys, it, it was it was brilliant. I don't remember much about it. My, my
3: abiding memory of the of the fireworks display was having to explain to people that there's no point in sitting at the back of the stand because the stand's got a roof <laughs> on it,
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Left where you wouldn't be able to see. One. <laughs>
2: Oh, so um, after that, should we move on to some actual football? So, I mean, I talked Sheffield Wednesday last week. believe you went to see Sheffield United this week, Dan? I
3: did. I went to watch Colo Torres' first home game in charge for uh, Wigan against Sheffield on, on Monday night. Uh, good game, actually. I really enjoyed that. It was, I think it was on Sky as well. I'm um, pretty sure it was on Sky too. Um, but Wigan were, were unlucky, really. Sheffield United won 2-1. Um, but Wigan were denied an absolute Stonewall penalty. The guy saved it with his you know diving save. Heartbreaking. Didn't even get booked So um but it was a good game.
5: Enjoyed it. Has anyone got a violin? <laughs>
0: An and extremely small some, violin.
4: Some wigging games actually during the uh I think I'm gonna do Wigan Sunderland on the 27th because I was on my uh app, which uh Please, if you're a Southport fan, please don't download it. Um, it's, but... point, it's
1: pointless now. We're all, we've been well behind we are
4: thousands behind it. Hi, Rob. <laughs> how are we doing? How, I'm just how, a bit how left many games are you on this Rob's wake.
0: Week? <laughs>
4: Rob, has, Rob has demolished everyone, and I can't blame him, to be honest.
2: Oh, I know. I need to get some more. I, I, I've got more grounds than every other Southport fan, apart from one, though, that's up there, though. So I'm, I'm taking that as my only crown now. Yeah, but where...
4: the one is, the one is, uh, some guy who claims who counts like Car Lane and places like that on his, on his yeah, list. So.
2: I don't do that. I so don't, how many yeah. how
1: many grounds you up to?
2: Me, I'm up to 240 now. That's pretty Tuesday, impressive. That, is. T- Tuesday night flex. was 240 because I went up to a uh, I went up to the northeast to watch uh, to watch Newcastle against AFC Bournemouth on Tuesday night in the uh, the Carabao Cup. That's the Carabao Cup, or as you've written Carabao here on the,
5: the Caraboo Cup. Yeah, oh, the Caribbean <laughs>
2: on, there, on the script. Yeah, it was a it was a, a pretty shocking game. In all honesty, though, uh, Newcastle winning one nil, but uh, over fifty thousand there, which is absolutely fantastic for a League Cup game. And in all honesty, hopefully they go on to win it now. I mean, you've got Leicester in the next round, so they've avoided they've avoided City, which is good for them. So hopefully they go on to go on and win it now. St James's Park, fantastic ground, really, really sort of just is in the middle of Newcastle, right in the middle of Newcastle. You can you can see it from everywhere. It, it's fantastic. Only downside is, um, so for people who don't know, I don't know why I'm going to criminalise myself by saying this. I do follow Bournemouth a little bit as well. So I was in the away end. Oh. Uh, Bournemouth fought like 450 uh, on a Tuesday night to Newcastle, which is good effort, to be fair. But if anyone's done Newcastle's away end, you know you get stuck in the seventh tier of the ground. So you're really looking down. One of the worst away ends I think I've ever been into, which again sparked a bit of debate. Not as bad as Goodison Park's away end, though I will say that. But overall, really, really decent games. Uh, sorry, really poor game, but great to have no VAR. That's one thing I will say. But yeah.
6: And you know, a victory for sports washing. So yeah. And a
2: victory for sports
6: washing. I I great see Newcastle
1: you know doing it the right way building up the club slowly over time, putting a proper staff and an infrastructure in there. And it's great to see them really reaping the rewards of of that that solid, non-sports-washing, non-state-funded progression.
4: It's it's ironic that there's more Bournemouth fans or nearly more Bournemouth fans than there was at Gateshead home Game, which just proves that they don't have any fans. Shout out to the one Gloucester fan. We travelled to Gateshead on a Tuesday the, night. There were
2: less, weren't there? I thought it was about two hundred and fifty at Gateshead. Uh, yeah, one maybe Gloucester.
4: it was even less. But there was, there was definitely one Gloucester fan who'd made just one. I don't know if you, I think he was segregated as well. There was just one guy who was in the Gloucester end, and I was like, "Yeah, fair play on a
2: Tuesday night." I, I'm but, gonna, I'm gonna applaud that because that might be made Darlington in a couple of weeks. I'm quite it worried will be, about that. <laughs> coming there.
4: I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mike.
6: No, you're on your own for that one. Yeah,
5: yeah. No, I thought so. We, we, on the whole, no VAR thing, right? I'm torn on this because part of me hates VAR. Oh, no. no. But but last night, Rodri, for Manchester City against Liverpool, should have been sent off twice. Once for kicking out on Fabio Carvalho, and then secondly for kicking out on Chukra Munna, as he's otherwise known, Fabinho. Um, And then um, uh, Ilkay Gundogan came in from the side and just shoved Fabinho to the floor and got nothing. And I just think, well, actually, those are the sort of things that VAR should be used for not this minute. oh he's got one of his nose hairs off uh, offside or something like that but actually those sort of things where the referee misses the fact that someone's just tried to boot someone in the leg that's what it should be used for
6: yeah, but are we not talking about we're talking about class refereeing? You look at the World Cup final, where a referee in real time um, managed to spot a, a dive in the penalty area and gave he it you know, a yellow card. Was, was brilliant. Great. So, so, so you can say you can. I don't. I think I don't like VAR, and I think more should be put into um, the support and training of referees. And remember that at the end of the day, the whole point of sport is you know we we are a bit we are infallible. You know we're not we're not sorry we're not. Yeah, we're not kind of perfect um so you know there's going to be there's going to be errors made by the humans that are officiating matches and and seemingly var is not entirely perfect itself because at the end of the day it's still humans that are looking at the footage so i, I don't know how i'm saying I'm, I'm i'm not a fan of var i think more should be put into the support and training of uh, referees assistants and that kind of uh, the support staff
5: i take your point as well nick about um training and developing referees oh, um, no. there's, there's two problems with that number one uh, seemingly half of the referees that are used by the football association in the Premier League come from Manchester and seemingly are always used when Manchester clubs particularly City are used the second point is if we're talking about the people who are responsible for training and improving and developing referees well guess what David Coote's job is from last night
6: oh no am. but yeah. the pro- we've there's got we've some... got a big we've got a big problem with referees in this country though that, and it's not oh, yeah. just their training and their skills but it's also how they are um received by players supporters all the way down to g- grassroots as well so when Correct. we're struggling to actually you know, recruit referees and bring people through um so i think there's a there's a big bit of work to do by the fa on that and also Sorry, I was muted by our child who's (laughs) decided to infiltrate the podcast. He's just like, nah, nah, mom, we're not talking about referees. But also we talked about managers last week, again, like about the England manager being English. You know, we need to be better at developing (laughs) managers as well. We need to look outside just the players and do better at developing the support staff
0: <laughs> Damn it! Damn it, child!
6: <laughs> oh, he's figuring out which button to press now. I'm going to have to either put him to bed or just deal with this.
5: I thought it was really nice for us to receive a heartwarming message on social media from the referee's development officer for North Riding, encouraging people to get into refereeing and to develop and you know, to get involved and pick up the whistle. And I thought, oh, I'll see who this is. Ross Joyce.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh,
6: painful dear. memories, painful memories. If he's
5: the man who's in charge of developing the referees in Yorkshire, not a friend of the past. Indefin- I do think the worst decision he still gave was the Chris Almond one against Woking, where the goalkeeper literally WWE wrestles him to the floor, play on. And there is. It just defied any explanation of sanity. And in a shock move, we lost the game 2-1 in the last two minutes because that's what we did that season. Um, But um, if he is in charge of the next phalanx of referees, heaven help us
3: football as a sport needs to learn from other sports that have video assistance and I think the difference between football and and rugby is that football um, allows the referee to be upstaged by the video assistant referee rather than using it to help them so in rugby the decision is always the referees and if the referee wants to have a look at the video because he or she's not sure then they will ask for it to be seen on video but ultimately it's always the referee's decision whereas VAR just inter- interferes all the time in football. I think that's half the problem. I think football has got an awful lot can learn from rugby in more, more, more ways than one, and more than just
2: VAR. Um, right, and also other than football, it's not Noel who's been to the rugby this week. I believe you've been to some. Dan.
3: Yeah, it was Southport Rugby Club uh, had their what they called their 150 day, which was 150 years since the first game of rugby was played by a club called Southport Football Club. That was on Wednesday. So, very, very nicely, I I received uh, an invite from the chairman, John Van der Meer, to to go down to watch the game with them. Um, They held uh, a charity game uh, in aid of the Lancashire Wooden Spoons charity. And um, it was a veterans game. Um, so lots of former members of the club uh, went down to, to play. Um, and I was invited to go for a meal with the with the chairman beforehand. But it was not just the chairman of Southport Rugby Club. There was the chairman of Lancashire Rugby uh, RFU. There was the president of the uh, England RFU was there. There was the chairman of Bolton uh, Rugby Club. Various other dignitaries, plus Damien Moore, who will turn up to anything. Um, there was various other sponsors, Um Ed Fletcher was there. Loads of, loads of really, really good people. But it was just a brilliant, brilliant evening. It's such a wonderful club. Um, I was presented with a commemorative cap to say thank you for for being there and thank you for, for helping them to understand their history. Because um, the, the reason that it was on Wednesday is that they actually learned from my research that that was the date of their first game. They didn't know that prior to me publishing the book. They just knew that it was in uh, in 1872. So it, I, I was made to feel like royalty. Uh, it, they were they were just such lovely guys. And then I even got an email the day after telling me that I was I will always be welcome at their club. And as a result of that, I've decided that I'm going to join up and, and be a social member and, and pay to, to be a paid-up member of their club as well because they are just brilliant, brilliant people. And as I said, in terms of VAR, football's got a lot to learn from rugby. Football's got a lot to learn from rugby in terms of how it has memberships and and how it, how it has a social side of the club as well. They they just really are superb.
1: I, I've been I've been down to the rugby club a couple of times, not very often because rugby's just not my thing, as as, as I've, I've made clear several times on this pod. But to be fair, every time every time I have been there, they've got an excellent little club. It, it must be said, it's very friendly, it's very welcoming. Um, they've got fantastic beer which is always a massive, massive draw. Um, and, it, and it, you know, I, I I wish him every success. Say, I say rugby is not my thing. I, I can't see myself ever being a regular down there. But every time I've been, it's always, it's, it's been a really, really enjoyable, enjoyable time.
6: I, I love Lords and and what they do at like the food wise at, at Southport. But Dan, did you get any of the sausage butties that they do? They think they, they have like a they did like a special kind of like ruck and what they've got ruck and malt is their um, beer that they have on ta- like they do from Southport I believe well that was the last the last time we went, but they also had specialist sausage butties as well made from the same kind of recipe. With a bit oh of the, they oh gosh, so they were so good. But it's they all were proper the
3: homemade. F- it's all proper homemade food, and you know there was curry and chips and all sorts of stuff during the game. The The meal beforehand was a, a sort of full-on Christmas sandwich, which I've witnessed the Tory MP eat with a knife and fork.
5: Say no more about that. Moving on. Other political parties are available.
0: Uh, like
6: bon, did you go anywhere this week or have you just been drunk?
4: Uh, well, I went to the <laughs> pub. Was that... I to... No, I went to <laughs> me AA meeting. Once went to my AA meeting. <laughs> uh very interested, actually. Oh, it's Derby County uh, against Forest Green Rovers. Uh, why? So David, why? why another ground tick off. I've never been. I didn't go
5: in twenty. Oh, he's
4: in. You didn't... Oh, I, was too too I, I was too young. I was too
5: young. The ultimate Southport FC experience. That was, was it. Really deal. good. I missed a good one. I definitely it was missed. Never a, a penalty.
1: One. It was never a penalty. Never a penalty. Well,
4: <laughs> it didn't look like a penalty on the uh, on the replay. Uh, but oh, no, it, was a, it was
6: a great day. That My job on the day was to help our mascot get into his costume and make sure he got out on the pitch all right. That was brilliant. That was so much fun behind the scenes. It was really good.
4: Um, but, yeah, I watched um, David McGoldrick score a hat-trick uh, at the age of 35 against Forest Green Rovers and he won 4-0. Another ground ticked off. It was quite good. The pie was dreadful, though. The pie was just like molten hot sort of liquid that you just bit into and it's hotter than the sun, then... Uh, but no. It was all right. Anyway, it wasn't that expensive as well. I will say that. I think I got it for like twenty quid, which for cham- a championship game
5: isn't too bad at all. Oh no,
4: League, League one. one. the League One. Forget that League One now. Sorry, Derby fans.
5: Obviously I'm aware that the rugby club are part of sort of the greater sort of Southport Sports Club, which involves the hockey club, which involves S Cricket Club, uh and all those different um, you know, I am sure there are a variety of different sports club. I don't know that that are involving in the sort of conglomerate where they all work together. Um, do you think genuinely that there is a place for the football club to become involved in that in some way, um, which could positively benefit everyone?
3: Ideally, yes, but not without significant restructure at our end. I think I think the desire is that all of the town's teams work together they, they should do it should be for the benefit of the town shouldn't it everything we do should be in the best interest of the town and therefore by you know by virtue of doing things in the best interest of the town, we'll get the best out of it as well. so it should be the case for all sports um but I don't think the way that we're currently set up lends itself to that and I think we would have to change a lot more than they do. Um, our our membership model for example it's we're we're not a social club in the same way that all of those other entities are we are a uh, i don't know how you put it and we're a, a match day company if you know what i mean we're geared around what happens on us on a saturday afternoon and everything else is sort of supplementary whereas the opposite is true at those other clubs they're geared around being a club and everybody being in it for for in it together i'll give an example of that actually what, I, what what i'm trying to get at the um there was a there was a girl on wednesday uh called i think her name was alex Dale who who came through the youth system at southport rugby um and she played from about the age of nine i think all the way through to well, whatever she is now 18 19. Um, when she got to a certain point, she went off to play netball for uh, professionally, and then came back, and then ended up going to play professional rugby for Gloucester, and she's now England under twenty. So she is a you know she's a rugby international now. But she came back on Wednesday to help out behind the bar and sell raffle tickets because Southport Rugby Club is her club, and that's the feeling that people have once they've been part of that club, they feel like it is it's the part of them, and we don't have that. I don't think we have that at all. I don't think any of the juniors that come through our setup would ever leave, go elsewhere and come back feeling like it belongs to them. And I think that's the difference. So I think, yes, there is the opportunity for us to do something, but there is significant restructure needed for us to get to that stage.
6: There's also that power as well that all, all the sporting clubs in the town coming together could have. Um, to create a, uh, you know, a common sporting hub. You know, we as a, from from a from a council point of view, we don't have much funding for. Um, sorry, you have to excuse the fact that Daniel is up and about in the background playing with his super wings, um, but we don't have a power for like a. Um, a uh a, like 3g pitches or or weather um facilities or indoor courts or you, you, there is, isn't that in the town but all of the sporting clubs coming together could create a, a much different landscape that the council would be more willing to partner with to to create something that we could have as a community use it's a, it's 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 a
1: really interesting point because i i actually mentioned this to Dan Hayes privately a couple of days ago we we just happened to 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 talk about a a similar point of view that that Noel was raising this question. I think one thing that's worth saying is that anyone who's listening to this podcast, thinking, uh, uh, you know, wanting to hear about Southport FC, could quite justifiably be going, "Why the hell are you going on about Southport Rugby Club?" I mean, because if you've not been down there, um, it's a, it's an excellent place, and the point is that, is that there's things we could learn from from what they're doing actually and how they how they look after their own community. I'm not saying Southport FC doesn't, but because we're we're a much bigger club, I'm not trying to say that disrespectfully, there's there's more, there's a, a lot more people who come to watch us, there's we've got um you know a really big community arm and things like that. But but there are things that we could learn from other sports clubs and, and I think and it's it certainly is worth talking about. And what Nick says is dead right. Locally there's a massive shortage of facilities anyone with a local sports team who wants to train in the winter will find that the winter pitches book up like like that immediately it is a nightmare trying to get hold of someone to train in the winter if you're involved in a local sports team so the benefit of all these clubs working together um is it should be obvious and i would like to see the club work with other sports clubs in the town more um i think dan hayes is right i think because we're set up so differently, it would require a bit more work on our end. Um, but I think that's something to aim for. Absolutely. And I think that would only be beneficial for everyone. And I'd like to think that we can benefit the other teams as well. It shouldn't just be what South by FC can get out of it. It should be what, what can everyone get out of it. You know, we 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 have expertise in, in you know, running a, running a semi-professional sports team. We have expertise in... Um, running the community arms, so it it, it there certainly should be give and take, but I'd love to see us working together with uh, with some of the other local clubs as well.
5: Just to um, jump in, um, I totally agree with all. These, by the way, it's Amy Dale, not Alex Dale. Sorry, Dan, um, but you you were close. Um, I totally agree with you. We, we have <clears throat> what you're saying about uh, winter facilities, and just, just to give an example, I'm not sure if we mentioned it on the pod beforehand, but the women actually have to go and tra- train in Bursco because it's the nearest place with any sort of size. Well, Bersico and Hesco Bank have got a nine-a-side also a Full-size 3G in Versco and then you go into Wormscoe, you go to Edge Hill. It's absolutely ridiculous. When you think about the number of sporting institutions, not just football, uh, within the town, and there isn't actually suitable 3G. The only synthetic pitch is the one based at Green Bank, which is specifically designed for hockey. 3G would not be suitable. that's why it's hard. But again, that isn't great for football or for a lot of other sports such as that because there's no give. Um, I know I used to play on it all the time when I was younger. Um, I've got the needs to prove it. Um, But when Sefton Council, the Sports England did a survey on on Sefton Council a number of years ago, and I think it, it was said that there should be Something I think it was 16 full-size 3G pitches in terms of population um, in the Sefton area. At that point, there was one. There are now, to the best of my knowledge, four, all of which are within the Crosby area. Start, uh, north of the Crosby area, and let's not forget, if you're in the Crosby area, you are 10 minutes maximum from one of the 3G hubs, the 4 hubs, Simpson hub, Aaron Eccles, um, and the other two, um, in Liverpool. You're 10, 15 minutes down the road from there. So it's actually the part of Sefton which least needs those facilities. We've got Marine, you've got um, LCFA Sefton, and Liverpool County have now moved their offices there from after Christmas. They will be based a lot, stock and barrel, at that office in Thornton. And there is nothing north of um, Crosby, I, I just think it's scandalous and I just think it has a huge impact on the health of young people in the town.
6: I, I agree with what you're saying, Noel, as well. But, but does part of that not show that you know, haven't we often commented on, on the hub on the part that, um, what Marine have done in their, since their um FA Cup? Uh, run especially uh, and their their work in the community and reaching out and showing that they are a true community hub has encouraged the council to be more proactive in developing those facilities in that area so it all kind of comes back to bringing that kind of like those partnerships and those involvements in the local community that we we could maybe be doing more to show the council like hey we are a legitimate partner we are a legitimate community hub
1: to be fair Look, Marine were involved in the, the I think mean, it was the, the FA the most significant FA Cup tie in history where, where the difference between the two teams was was at its biggest. There's there's never been an FA Cup tie like it, and, and they've absolutely smashed it out of the park, what they've done since, what they did before and what they did since. They they they, they made a lot of money out of it. They adapted through COVID, because obviously they weren't allowed people in the ground, um, and they did really, really well out of it. As someone who has, uh, as as one of the often four or five people who has been to council meetings to sit through them, the council doesn't have a pot to put in. Uh, the council will match fund, probably, the council will probably match fund an initiative in the local area. Um, Noel alluded to the, what he was referring to was the council's pitch strategy, uh, which I'd can't back the numbers up, but he was right. There was a shortage of 3G football pitches identified across Sefton. Um, and since that report came out, which was a, a, a fair while ago, it was like seven or eight years ago, I was led to believe that there's, there's been a new one since, but I don't think it's been made public. And I don't know how true that is. And there's been, as, as Noel says, there's a couple now down in the, down in the Crosby area. The, the the problem that we've had in Southport is that there's been a couple of ideas and initiatives locally, but essentially the right people haven't been put together and they've not found the right place to do it. You know, there's been people who've talked about putting something on like Meals Cop, whether it be the triangle or whether it be the schools, um, the schools part. And they'll do all the ground surveying and and, and testing and, and seeing if it's the right place. And they go, yeah, you can build a 3G pitch here, but it's going to be a bit more expensive because the ground is cracked because the the soil structure isn't right or the sand underneath it so yes you can do what you can you can build on here if you want but it isn't the best place to do it and as such there are better places in the area for match funding so if we're going to fund one project in the area it probably isn't going to be here so tying all of that together is one of the difficulties that we have but it goes back to the point we were making if if we were, if, if the clubs in the area including South fc were slightly more proactive and were talking to each other um, you, you know this is maybe something that that we could we could aim to sort out. To be fair, I would expect the club to have some idea or some plan or have had some discussions about where they could put a 3G or a four g pitch in the area. Can't say more than that or, or I don't know more than that, but I would expect that they've had conversations on that nature.
6: But those conversations have been going on for years. We're talking we're talking over a decade. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those conversations have been going on that I've been aware of for at least the last 15 years. There have been conversations and there's been pitch, there's been soil analysis, there's been groundwork analysis done uh, for over a decade about where we could put a community hub in this town where the, the football club effectively acts as a lead partner in, uh, along with, you know, Educational partners, etc., um, and it, and it, it's not made any progress in that time, um, and, and we need it now. We're crying out for it now. I
3: was going to say we are crying out for it, but I think we we need to be careful not to make the mistake of thinking that the only community work we can do is if there is a 3G or 4G pitch. Correct. There isn't. Yeah. There's absolutely loads that we can do in conjunction with the other clubs, regardless of whether a 3 or 4G project ever goes ahead. There's tons, even to the point of looking at our membership structure in the way that we sell our tickets and the way that we work with with the other clubs in terms of schools, programmes and, and things like that, how we link up with local health organisations. There's loads of stuff.
2: So going from one element of pitches to another, we'll talk more teams of have fun with floodlights this week. Presswich Hayes against Longridge this time, and I think a few of us have memories. I know I have from a game in Sussex last season, um, but I believe Southport have been involved in one as well in re uh, well, not recent years anymore. Over a decade ago now. Well, that as, makes as, us feel old, yeah, thanks, doesn't that, it? Yeah, nice thanks, <laughs> thanks in, Mike. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna
1: can I can I step up here? Uh, Staley Bridge, Staley Bridge. Uh, we um, we have mentioned the Staley Bridge game on the pod before. I think only very briefly. Um, we were drawing away at Fold and the floodlights failed towards the end of the game. I think they tried for an hour to get them back on and couldn't and they abandoned the game. Uh, And while both the managers were happy to just call the result as it was, the league forced us to replay it. Um, We did win, Uh, but the replay was the only game I've ever been ejected from. So because we, we were all hilarious, we turned up at the rearranged fixture with um, torches and glow sticks because we were the height of comedy. And dead early on in the game, we had a goal. I think either we had a goal disallowed or there was a decision against us. And and, for, and quite stupidly, I threw a glow stick onto the pitch. Not maliciously, not at anyone. And it was a, ah, for Pete's sake sort of gesture. But I, I just, I had a glow stick in my hand and it went on the pitch. And no one said a word for about 10 minutes Until the steward came up to me and quite, quite politely, not aggressively, very civilly came up to me and said, sorry, sir, you've you've thrown an object onto the pitch. I'm going to have to remove you from the ground. And I went, oh, I did. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, let's go. And he walked me out of the ground. I'm like, what do I do now? Well, thankfully, there was trees at both ends of the ground. So I climbed a tree. So I climbed a tree and watched the game. <laughs> and then at half time, right at half time, because you want to swap ends, don't you? And there's trees at both ends. So I thought, well, I'm going to walk down the other end and I'm going to find a tree at the other end. And a, um, a, a, a catering lady was taking the bins out at half time and had left a gate open into the stadium. So I just I just walked back in. So I thought, I'd best not go stand with the Southport fans. That's a bit obvious. And the guy be there looking for me. So I just sat quietly in the stand on my own until about 80 minutes. And then for the last 10 minutes, I um, went back with the fans and he clocked me. The, the steward who rejected me clocked me at about 88, 89 minutes. And he went on, I, I heard him on his radio and he went, Hey, it's back. <laughs> 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 um, at which point, uh, a friend of mine, a um, good friend who will remain nameless, and he, he probably shouldn't have done at uh, the full-time whistle, lashed about 200 glow sticks onto the pitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the Stabridge game, I remember that, well, it was the only game I've ever been thrown out of. And I i, I had to, uh, I did get told off by the club because I was still on the media team then. And I had to go into, into Ken's office with Charlie and Hayden and had to apologise like a naughty schoolboy for being kicked out.
4: Did you count it on football? Though? That's the big
3: question.
1: <laughs> it is, it is on my football.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You know what, eighty-three minutes of the game took place, and considering we were stood in the ground for about I don't know two and a half hours in no total, like I would have counted yeah. it. <laughs> it was bitterly cold that night. It was abandoned. I remember that much. I think it was something like 29th of December or something. It was like
1: really, It was like Christmas time.
3: Christmas. It was, New it year was time, both wasn't sides wasn't
1: of the. It was both sides of the year. I mean, yeah, yeah. It was.
3: Yeah. Uh, it, was uh, it was bitterly cold. A uh, uh, nil nil. Eighty-three minutes. Nobody wanted to have to replay the game. Everybody was happy with the draw. Everyone was happy with one point. The, Both of the managers said so in the press afterwards. And we were all thinking, oh, they're going to make us replay seven minutes. And they didn't. They made us replay the whole game. But if they hadn't done, we wouldn't have won the league. So it's all right,
0: isn't it? (laughs)
6: There's, there's been some uh, some good news uh, about Alex Fletcher, the Bath City player, as well this week, which has been really really nice to read. I think he actually came out today that he's going to be um, going back to Bath City uh, on Boxing Day uh, after his his very serious head injury um, earlier on this season. So that that's some really positive news, and I actually got a bit emotional reading that. To be honest, so it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be an emotional day for everybody, and and you know. I, as much as he, I'm sure he doesn't listen to the pod, but you know, I'm sure we all send our uh, our best wishes to him, and we've followed the kind of the story all the way through, haven't we?
3: Well, with the
1: numbers we're getting on the pod, I've no idea who is listening to it at the moment. It's mental. We are. So we're, we're getting like five, six, seven, and eight hundred an episode. Yeah. I still, don't, I still don't know where they're coming from. I was, well, expe- I was, I was expecting some of them are
3: from f- Tokyo, by the other.
1: I was expecting <laughs> 50, fifty people. I thought if we got 50, 50 people a week, I'd be made up with that all them Berliners little bit. They <laughs> it in massive bit. in Berlin
3: <laughs> massive speaking of people then who have uh, who have been listening from, from afar um, how about we play some more messages Joe
1: hi everyone it's Sean Morley here I just wanted to wish all the listeners of the Port Chat
6: Podcast a happy Christmas and a great new year
0: everyone at the Port Chat Podcast, it's Dave Gamble here,
3: wishing you all a very happy Christmas and a great
5: new year.
6: Come on the port. Hi everyone, it's Alan Mugen here, just want to say a quick hello to all the listeners of the Port Chat Podcast, I wish us all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New
4: Year.
0: Hello,
1: former club captain Scott Brown here, just wanting to wish Port FC a happy Christmas, and all the best for the new year. Take care. Hello
3: to all you Sangaranda's people. This is Chris Price, wonderful player, always a poor friend. Just wishing you all a Merry
4: Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hi, Farrell Kilban here. Just want to wish all the listeners of the Port Chat podcast a Happy Christmas and a Happy New Year. Let's get the six points over Christmas and get back up in the top four. All right,
3: Marcus Carver here. Just want to wish all the listeners to the podcast a a very Merry Christmas and hopefully you have a great new year. Keep supporting the team and I'll hope to see you all soon. Hi all. It's Jed Kilter here, a member of the 1998 FA Trophy final team. I'm here to wish all you Port Chat podcast listeners a very Merry Christmas. I'm sure you're all wanting six points against Kersing Ashton for Christmas. And of course, a prosperous new year to all of you. All the very best, Jed.
2: Well, another fantastic set of players there. So, Dan, how much did that cost you? I didn't have to spend eighty quid for that. <laughs> I feel attacked. I feel attacked by that. Right I toted it up
1: over over two and a half thousand appearances for the club in there. Totaled good, up, isn't it? yeah.
3: Wow. Great to hear some people like me, mean, Marcus, still keeping in touch with us. He loves the place, doesn't he?
4: Marcus, if you are listening and you fancy a game. Um... <laughs> What a, FIFA. Said, <laughs> <I'll>...
0: a <FIFA. laughs> yeah. Come on.
5: Well, he said, "I'll see
4: you all soon." I was like, Please. "Is that is that an indication that r three is coming?"
6: Is he reading too much? Well, so 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 Jay's. I mean, Dan did an amazing job at getting all those players to, to send him messages, but Jay spent um, the best part of the day kind of editing them all together and, and doing it. But alongside our our oldest. Uh, son daniel
0: like
6: you do like to do the christmas messages with daddy and he's basically been <laughs> sat there all day with him doing the christmas messages with daddy and now he's he's, he's almost got to a point where he can reel it off himself can you say merry christmas merry christmas to the port chat podcast port chat podcast
0: <laughs> oh amazing.
2: amazing love that
6: so it- yeah da- daniel's added into that news time
2: it is definitely time for the Oops. news especially after uh, after what's happened today yep
5: no! You're listening to the Port Chat podcast This is the most up to date news and now we go to our correspondent the official news check Nick K Soccer. This Soccer. is the Port
6: Chat,
0: Port Chat news
6: can't get over how awesome it is that I've got a jingle and Noel doesn't <laughs> anyway we've had some news we've got some news live exclusive news uh, we have signed a person a whole person to play for South White FC Josh Miles signed from AFC Liverpool we don't know an awful lot about him but he is a youngster 17 years old um, big hopes for the future Liam's got a bit of a nap of um, of of Seeking out these talents, hasn't
0: he? Yeah,
5: he has a good track record of it. He does have a good track record of um, bringing young gems in, polishing them, and then uh, obviously give, giving them the opportunity. But it's also uh, quite obvious that this has uh, also come about through Liam's work with the Stephen Gerrard Academy, uh, as he's also part of that. So, yeah, I mean, welcome to the club, Josh, and uh, and let's. Uh, he is in. I believe he is in the squad for um, for Barcelona.
3: Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? He's going straight into the squad because I think they've been quite careful to say that this is a signing for the future. So I don't know whether we can expect to see him uh, play a part uh, on Boxing Day, but um, it'd be a good experience for him nonetheless.
6: Is he the youngest player we've ever signed? I know Zach Ali was quite young, but do we have any... I have
3: to, I have, to have a look decision? at his date of birth. I'm not sure. I don't think He won't be the youngest player to ever play for us, I'm sure of it.
2: It's quite scary, really, isn't it? He's he's four years younger than me, which makes me feel like it's making me feel really, really bad that I don't play for anyone like Southport. But yeah, as, as I say, it's a it's a good it's a good sign, and at seventeen years of age if you're getting picked up by a National League North Club, there must be something about you. And as long as he hasn't got that far through the Stephen Gerrard Academy that he's learned how to slip and cost teams titles, then I'm pretty, I'm pretty oh, happy. The oh, oh, shots fired! Very good,
0: Dan. Thank oh, you. I like oh. um,
6: um, yeah, I mean, don't, don't don't, make me work out how much younger he is than me. That's that's not... I need to get my abacus out for that. Um, <laughs> on other news, uh, we've got some rearranged fixture dates. Uh, so we are, um, we've rearranged our Boston home game for the 17th of January and the uh, 7th of February we are away at Hereford. So have you got your hotel rebooked for that one, Mike?
0: Yeah,
2: so thankfully no one came forward for that 21st December hotel in Hereford. So I, I've, <laughs> I've moved it now. So, uh, yeah, we, we it's all booked. We've got Airbnbs for Blythe, hotels for Hereford. It's, it's all looking good for them, uh, them Them away games. That's five away games in the space of two weeks, by the way, for anyone He's really looking forward to jam, end of Jan, uh, start of Feb, but it should be should be a good uh, a good couple of weeks watching the port. That should
4: disappointed. with not staying down the hill in uh, Newcastle.
2: Should have come. The should have come on Tuesday. Hill. Yeah. If you know, famous. you know.
4: <laughs> if you know, you know. That's all I'm going to say. And the famous roundabout. But if you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> you know, you know.
5: Are we expecting any more incomings? Because particularly because we've got um, this. Um, mysterious foreign bound player, as it were. This player who's bound for um, this move abroad. So, as and when that happens, are we expecting? Would any? I'd like to think we would be one in, one out. And no disrespect to Josh coming in as a young prospect, but if it's going to be someone, if they're going elsewhere, then obviously it's someone who's probably going to be a first team regular. So, would we want to? Would we want to see someone else come in?
6: I mean, I'm still waiting for a replacement for Marcus Carver. Personally, um, to, to be very blunt about it, I think that's what we need. I think that's what we're looking for. He just said he's you soon.
5: He just said he's. It's yeah. a trilogy. It's coming.
3: <laughs> I mean, uh, in terms he's of ability-wise, game well. uh, ability-wise, I agree. In it, we we are missing that Carver role, aren't we? But I think in terms of pure numbers, um, no. I think if we do lose this player uh, in January, which is looking very likely, I think we we probably have to because we're running a threadbare squad as it is now i know budget wise we're probably bottom 3 or 4 of the league so i know we haven't got much money to play with but um it you know it is what it is you know but if you're going to lose a player um, that's uh, of a caliber that um, is capable of getting picked up and spotted by by clubs particularly clubs abroad then we're going to need something
5: and there's also the news about the um that infernal um, streaming platform launching and they've sent a load more information out about that. It just looks horrific, doesn't it?
6: Well, yeah, even though they've sent more information about it, it's still not really, they've not like made a better deal with the distribution of funds. They've just, they've, they've created an international um, ticket, uh, which means they can send, sell it Legitimately to international people who don't have to be uh, bound by the 3pm blackout. Anyone who wants to buy it uh, over the uh, Christmas period, though, is entirely screwed because all of the games are 3pm Saturday kickoffs. So
0: anyway, you-
3: Another thing I've noticed, the way that they've structured it as well, and it's very clever. So if you bought a ticket for, let's say, hypothetically, okay. Southport at home to Boston United and you were a Boston fan that hadn't travelled, but you wanted to watch your team and the game was postponed tough because there's plenty of other games you can watch because you haven't bought a ticket for a game you've bought a ticket to watch all of the games and therefore because other games are on you can't get your money
6: back Yeah, I've seen a few people complaining that they haven't had refunds as well, so it's, yeah, it's not looking good. The whole thing's murky. Um, I'm hoping that we might actually be able to get comment in the new year from somebody that was present at those discussions though as well. I'm working on that for us, so it would be interesting to hear. Uh, Although, um, they weren't also entirely certain about the distribution of funds element of of the package, so it sounds like the whole thing's very murky. I'm
3: sure the National League will have written everything down, because they do that for all oh, of their meetings and make absolutely. it publicly available.
6: It take the minutes and minutes are there. Minutes it's will be tiring. there,
3: yeah. Transparency. Transparent. Open and
2: transparent. Awesome. Thank you very much, Dan. So, we actually have a game of football, shockingly. We haven't played since 3rd of December. Uh We have Curzon Ashton on Boxing Day, away from home as well, even more excitingly. So, exactly one month to the, to the day that we play Kettering, we're away at Curzon Ashton. So, Dan, you've got details of familiar faces, former players and all that?
3: Yeah, I have. I mean, well, we we hope we play Curzon. We hope we don't have a change in the weather again. Curzon uh, are from Ashton Underline, Greater Manchester, founded in 1963 and nicknamed the Nash. Uh, it was a merger of two clubs, Curzon Road Methodists and Ashton Amateurs, who played in the Manchester Amateur Football League. And the club's name was originally Curzon Amateurs before they changed it to the current one. In 2007, they were promoted to the Northern Premier League First Division as runners-up to FC United of Manchester. They won the NPL First Division in uh, 2013-2014 and a season later went up again by the playoffs and they've been in the National League North ever since. Our first game against them came in 2017-18 after we were relegated from the conference and up until this season, we had never lost against them, but our FA Trophy defeat in November was the first time. We've played in 10 times in total, including a two-all COVID game on Boxing Day 2020 Winning three, drawing six and losing one. Um, Home matches have been played at the Thameside Stadium for Curzon since 2005, which has got a capacity of 4,000 and it cost them just under 4 million to build. Uh, Last time we were there was Boxing Day last year and we played out a rather dull 0-0 draw. Uh, Gates have only once exceeded 500 in the four away games we played there, dropping as low as 380 when we visited for a 3-0 win in April 2019. In terms of familiar faces for both sides, there are quite a few. Mark Bradshaw, Matty Challoner, Matty Flynn, Steve House and Jordan Lussie and Darren Stevenson, including some direct transfers between us as well. In the past few years, we've signed Mo Ali, Doug Tharm and not forgetting Cam Mason, who obviously won't face his former club this time around because he's on loan at Geysley while he tries to get his fitness back.
1: The loss uh, against Kershawson in the FA Trophy, I- I'm not sure we've made it clear on this pod, so just worse, bears repeating, was totally your fault. By the way. <laughs> I don't know if, how much we've talked about it on the pod. I can't remember how much of it has, you has, might have has made, it, has made yeah. it in, right? Because you, you're, you're, the last time you did this, which was what, five weeks ago, you're like, oh, we've never lost to Curzon Ashton. And then what do we do oh, with this? it's his?
0: true. Well, well it yeah. Tr-
1: so, I mean, it's it's still true, technically. We've not lost to Curzon Ashton in the league. Oh, you've um, said it now. Yeah, I've said it, I've said it now. Um um, Last
6: Boxing Day was the dullest affair, though. It really, it was so really, really it was. Every was. game oh. we play
1: against them's is tight,
3: isn't it? Every single game we play there is, is a tight one. I mean, the crowds have never been good when we've gone there. I can't see it being much different this time, either.
5: No, Last we... time we went there, wasn't it boosted by a load of German tourists? So was that the time before? Hey,
3: maybe we'll have some more. Maybe they will come over from Berlin They'll be
2: following us. That rings, a bell. <laughs> that rings a bell, them German tourists. But I can't remember what game it was at. Um, because we played them a lot, we've had trophy and cup games. Does anyone remember the one where Devon Green got shoved off the pitch into the fans a couple of seasons ago in the FA yes. cup? Yeah. And Curzon somehow stayed on the pitch with eleven men, even though she they should have ended with nine, and we still beat them. Yeah, I, and that's the one specifically uh, pins out for me. But yeah. As
5: I as I recall, the one last year, they battered us for most of the first half, and somehow we went in nil-nil. Uh Cam made some excellent saves. And then the second half. Basically, might as well have not happened.
1: I do have a little bit of points on form for you. Not not a lot. Uh, They recently lost to Altrincham away in the FA Trophy. Uh, The Twitter account says they slumped to a 1-0 defeat. Um, Similar to us in terms of uh, rearrangements for weather, Um, but essentially they, they haven't had a win throughout the whole of December. Um, although they've barely played. The last win was against this year's we- Whipping Boys ASC Telford, on the 26th of November. Um, they've only played five games since they knocked us out of the trophy. Um, so you can listen back to the last pod and listen to what I said because nothing's really changed. The only one of the other ones was that we, we lost the game that we weren't meant to lose, thanks to Don Hayes. I'm not going to let you forget it. It's going to be it's going to be a a a regular point. It's going to be written on my grave, isn't it? Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: yeah. We've never lost the curse of Ashton. Ashton. (laughs) Should we do some predictions then?
5: I I, I may be uh, drunk with festive spirit, um, but I actually think we're going to win uh, because the game, the FA Trophy game that Dan cursed. If Dan had not like thrown the sword of Damocles upon us by uh, saying we had uh, never lost by half time we should have been about 4-0 up uh, and if we'd have taken, if we hadn't um spurned a lot of very presentable chances then um i think we would have gone on to win the game quite comfortably and i expect us to i don't think it'll be a comfortable win but i think we will win and i'm going to go for a 2-1 away victory
2: very positive uh james uh i i predict football will be the winner i've I've, I've forgotten that was your prediction it's been that long since we've done one uh let's go nick next
6: yeah i'm i'm unlike normal not just drunk on christmas spirit but drunk on prosecco and i think that it'll be a 2-0 victory to the port what do you think daniel are we gonna win gonna win yeah
4: i'm gonna go one all uh I can't see it being a classic because it's never a cl- and I, But the thing is, though, City and United are both not at home, so maybe the attendance will not be as bad, but I can't see it. They're not too well-sported, but they, the fans are quite decent. No, I do quite like the fans.
2: Uh, I'll round us off with a 1-0 win. Uh, very positive. I also think Alcol will be the real winner, and I'm gonna, I think it's going to get abandoned on 83 minutes due to uh, the floodlights failure. <laughs> <laughs> I was you hoping no one would steal that prediction. Uh, <laughs> no one will steal that prediction. Awesome. So, fairly positive. Dan, I believe we've got to get a ferry to go to Curzon uh, uh, on Boxing Day. Uh, yeah, as
4: it's Boxing Day, there's obviously no trains, no uh, public transport. Um, even I'm struggling to get to Everton that day. Um, but if you are going... In you are driving there is a car park there um but last year we turned up at quite early about one o'clock and we couldn't get in and obviously the bar is inside the grounds um so we had to sort of wait for half an hour um so i wouldn't advise getting there before half one just in case it's not open because you'll be just be stood outside probably in the cold well definitely in the cold maybe in the rain maybe in i don't know what conditions they have in ashton Underline. uh so if you are going, you can't buy a ticket online like most grounds. Um, you have to pay on the gate. It's £15 for adults, £10 for concessions. That's over 65s. Uh, £10 as well for students, but you must show your student ID. Uh, and if you are between 16 and 18, it's a fiver. If you're under 16, you can go in for free with a full paying adult we already mentioned there's no trains on that day so you have to drive but obviously if you are driving and you get there a bit early there is a pub which is about a 15 minute walk away i want to say uh, i think there's a whole sort of like trading estate where there's like a you know like a you know like a all sort of retail outlets and stuff like i get yeah, some food and stuff like that uh just just up the road um there is food although inside the ground and it is very very good it's underneath the stand and it's it's not that expensive as well. It's really, really nice. It's home-cooked. It's I out a pie and chips there last year. It was really, really nice. I mean, I say it wasn't that expensive. If you are um, looking, if you do collect programs or you want a program on the match day, it's £2.50 for a printed program. I have been told it's quite good. I've never bought one, but apparently it's quite good. Um, I believe there's a statue outside the ground, Noel, and you wanna, you've wanna you got some information on
1: this.
5: Yeah, does anyone know who the statue is of and why they are there?
1: I know it's Jeff Hurst. Yes. And I know it's Jimmy Armfield. Correct. I don't know who the third one is, but I know he's Italian.
5: Does anyone know who it is? It's Simone Perotta. And they are the 3 tame Side Tameside-born World Cup winners. Uh, Jeff, Sir Jeff Hurst was born uh, in Ashton itself. Yeah, uh, Jim, uh, Jimmy Armfield was born in Denton nearby. Um, but yes, uh, Simone Perotta was born in... Uh, the area in Tameside, and then moved back to Italy with his family, but apparently still has an uncle who lives there. And apparently he didn't know about this statue until about seven years after it had been put up. (laughs) But yes, it was to the, yeah, apparently so. He just said, my uncle sent sent a photo, like, there's a statue of you in Tameside. So I don't know if he's been to see it since then, but he didn't find out. But yes, it is the three Tameside World Cup winners. Um, So yeah, I I think that's a, a, a cheeky little bit of football memorabilia
2: it certainly is and yeah it's one uh, to look forward to after not having a game for such a long time
6: before we all go can 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 we uh can we all just say what our favorite uh christmas chant is because there's been some debate on the uh the forums this week which i've much enjoyed although it means i've had the 12 days of kevin lee stuck in my head for about a week um what's everyone's favorite Christmas
3: chant. I'm old school away in a manger more, but more come off Fleetwood, more conversion. Yeah,
0: more, than, <laughs> more I think it works
2: best.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I can remember singing that at Christie Park.
1: <sighs> I
2: think that is the club, but
1: 12, 12 days of Kevin Lee does ignite I mean, something it's the true feeling of Christmas, you know. Like, um, I think it was it was Swedes who put on port chat that, um, he, he it was like borders on annoying. And I considered banning him for it, but I thought it's better just to let him live with the shame of having said something so so heinous. Um, but it, it probably has got to be a way in a manger,
5: definitely. I, I'm going to go a bit left field, and I'm going to say The Last Christmas, the JPK and Pocku, oh, all the alternate yes. um, DM, Dale Martin version, um, uh, which goes into, a, when, when Dale changed his surname, we, we we went a bit crazy and rewrote it for him to Dale Bevington.
6: we we sang the twelve days of Kevin Lee for our uh, our two young toddlers uh, the other day and, and may have slightly traumatized them for all eternity so
1: we did we sang we sang it in its entirety all twelve days uh, and then the NSPCC turned up and told <laughs> us that we we weren't we weren't allowed to do that anymore.
6: I think I think I think it's been scarred on Daniel so much he could probably still do it. I, Daniel, five Kevin Lee.
0: <laughs> <Yeah. There he laughs> that's that's syndrome,
4: that. that should have been Christmas number one, not some sausage roll eating. Don't say oh. it.
5: Don't maybe edit it out.
4: Fellow, bloke, <laughs> man,
2: and his weird wife.
5: We're going to sing all of those on Boxing Day, aren't we, Mike?
2: That's, uh, maybe slur then. <laughs> Possibly.
1: Anyway, to lead us out of uh, tonight's edition, here's Dan Hayes with the Twelve Kevin Lees.
5: <laughs> I do love that song, but by about eight Kevin Lees, it does start to get a bit wearisome.
1: Oh, what are you talking about? Give over. That's Noel not on next week.
5: It's,
4: Sorry, Noel.
1: It's a Christ- <laughs> It's a Christmas classic. It's the true meaning of Christmas, as opposed to late defeat.
2: I think it's about time we wrap up. So thanks as ever uh, to everyone listening. If you like what you heard, please make sure you rate us wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that be Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon Music, or anywhere else. And please follow or subscribe so that you get notified as soon as every episode is available. You can help spread the word too by following us on our new Facebook page and on Twitter. Both can be found at at Port Chat Podcast. And please help spread the word by liking and sharing with any football fans or Southport fans that you know. So from everyone here, we hope you have a great Christmas and a relaxing break. But most importantly, up the port.